everyone, and welcome to The Swear Jar, the official podcast of the Academy of Business Communications, where we tell it like it is about corporate and employee communications and use occasionally colorful language to raise money for worthy causes. My name is Elizabeth Williams. And I'm Andrew Brown. Today, we're going to talk about something that all organizations face at one time or another. It makes me mad. It makes me sad. Or as I take from one of my favorite shows, it makes me smad. We're talking, of course, about when an organization has no budget for its employee communications. Let's start at the beginning. What do we mean when we say employee communications has no budget? So it can mean a few things. It can mean there's not enough resources to accomplish what's expected of the internal communications function or the team. No money is devoted to training people who, for the health of the organization, actually need to be better at communicating with their colleagues or supervisors or direct reports. But what we don't mean necessarily is that there's a shortage of money for, let's say, trinkets and trash and posters and some supervisor's pet project because they almost always seem to have money found somewhere in the budget. Mm. So essentially, we're describing organizations that have not formally allocated a specific dollar amount or a range to help implement the communications function to fulfill its general mandate of strengthening the bond between the organization and its employees. Yeah, I always find that astonishing. You have to wonder, given that kind of critical mandate for every organization, why those charged with employee communications end up having little or no budget. And I believe it turns out that the reasons fall into one of three broad buckets. Number one, employee communications just isn't valued. And of course, that spills into, if you will, bucket number two, employee communications has not clearly articulated what is expected of them, nor have they ever really quantified previous results. And the third bucket, which is related to buckets number one, two, is that employee communication budgets get cut because of the missteps of owners or of other emerging priorities. I would say it's often cut because nobody can really prove that it's a good investment. So it feels like it's fluffy. But I would also say there's a fourth bucket, and that's that the person who's putting the budget together really doesn't have any idea of what employee communications costs. And so they assume that because there's a headcount and a computer that the rest of it is somehow free because that person's just doing it. In fact, that happened to me. I was hired at a place as the new director of communications and sat in a meeting where the executive said, oh, good, the communications problem is solved because now Elizabeth is here. And I'm thinking, you have no idea what I'm about (laughs) to spend. And so, you know, they forget about things like, you know, translation and design Mm. and we have to buy software licenses. And and yeah, we need to train our communicators, both the people on the team and also executives and managers. So of course there's cost. The value thing is interesting and it's a bit of a, a tough nut to crack. And so that can be, you know, a bad history. So someone really screwed up the employee communications. It could be that it was just in the hands of a, let's say, less than competent or less than popular person or department. And so often it's tucked under other places as somebody's side hustle. And it could be a case of our old friend, you know, the communications fallacy. Hey, everyone communicates, so we must be doing it well. It could be that there's just a prevailing attitude that communication somehow happens by magic or, Mm -hmm. you know, it bursts fully formed from the earth. But, you know, the truth is that when the communications area has no budget, scary shit is definitely happening. So we'll start with the most obvious outcome, like really important life or death stuff. 
tends to get ignored or it gets miscommunicated or it's just done badly or too late. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly seen that during the recent COVID pandemic. Sure. You know, employers were called upon to communicate really scary stuff that changed every other day that they barely understood. And they had to do it in a huge hurry. And a lot of them who had no actual communications team tried the old DIY, do-it-yourself approach. And of course, by the time they called us, they had managed to scare half their frontline employees into staying home. One employer I worked with was using terms like failure to follow public health protocols will result in immediate termination. Well, that's <laughs> nice. But then they weren't saying what those public health protocols were because they were changing every single day. So that's an example really of amateur hour in the communications department. And that's an output of not having the budget to do it well and do it professionally. And we aren't having a crisis. You know, we can certainly see what happens when employers do a crappy job of communicating routine changes like mergers, right? They freak people out. And that can sometimes help you find your way into an ugly media story. Yeah, no argument on any of that. There's some other implications of having no budget. And one, I think that all communications professionals feel is that over the long term, the bar for employee communications remains really low. And all the negative outcomes that come with poor employee communications naturally kick in. And these are things that span all departments, right? Things like lower employee engagement, higher employee turnover, less pride taken in the work, people complying less with key industry standards. Of course, lower productivity, which is what everyone sort of gravitates to, less innovation, and ultimately an eroded commitment to that organization's purpose. So essentially, I see that without a communications budget, it really destroys any organization's ability to adapt, to change and survive. Mm. And, you know, one thing that we have heard in the face of this, right, is, well, you know, we're, we're bootstrapping and, you know, if we had a budget, we wouldn't have that nice camaraderie and we don't need some stuffy communications person. And that may be the case in a very small organization, but that really only works for a short amount of time. And in larger mm -hmm. organizations, people very quickly learn that important shit is going on behind the scenes and the leaders aren't always interested or able to share that information effectively. And that whole bootstrapping thing, it's a little bit absurd, right? Would you even consider asking an organization to not have an IT budget or a budget to hire skilled people or a budget to innovate or a budget to do marketing, right? I mean, if you did, you might as well just pack up your bag. You say, how about we bootstrap the finance department? Yeah. <laughs> Quite true. You can't assume that something's going to be done unless you show enough value towards it and fund it. In a very short time, we've covered what we mean when we say an organization has no employee communication budget. And we've also covered the reasons that employee communications may not have a budget and the dire implications when there is no budget for employee communications. Now let's get to the hard part, right? Let's turn to what our fearless communicators, all our listeners out there can do when they're given the challenge of strengthening the bond between an organization and its employees, and yet they have no budget. To my mind, really, there are only two choices. One, figure out what can be achieved without having a budget or really low budget. Or two, we'll figure out how to go about getting a budget. 
Mm, yeah, and that's kind of a <laughs> Hobson's mm. choice, right? The reality is they're both pretty tough. And yeah. depending on your culture, it, it may actually be easier getting a budget than figuring out, you know, which fires you're going to put out with your teeny weeny little budget. Why don't we start with how we go get a budget? Because you and I have both had to do that a whole bunch of times. And, sure. um, you know, and we need to start with a little bit of a painful reflection, which is that maybe we as communicators have contributed to the situation, maybe just maybe we've been so bogged down with the tasks that we've actually lost sight of the force for the trees and if that's the case we can definitely play a role in figuring this out so i would say the first place you want to start especially if you're new in a, an organization or you're new in your role is figure out how your organization manages the process for setting and reviewing and finalizing budgets like Who's involved in that? How are budgets managed and reviewed? Some, some companies it's quarterly, some it's semi-annually, sometimes it's annually in some corporations. Those processes are well articulated and in some you just kind of have to know the rules of the game and, and otherwise mm -hmm. you're roadkill. So I, I guess my first piece of advice would be please make sure you get a guide on this journey either from someone inside or outside. So uh, internally, I always made friends with somebody in finance. They're incredibly mm, helpful. Well, yeah, I mean, they help you not just get your bills paid and stuff, but they can let you know when the planning cycles start and end and what's expected and how people go about getting budgets. So if you've got any of those trinkets in your desk, go make a new friend in finance, <laughs> give them a mug or something. And if not, you know, get someone from outside, get someone who's put together budgets before to help you do a good job. And a lot of communicators maybe are a little intimidated by putting a budget together, but you part of working in an organization and we need to get our head around the whole process and we need to get injected into it. I would say a, another good first step is find out when the annual budget planning cycle starts. There's always a planning cycle. And mm -hmm. it usually, I'd say it's about four months before your fiscal year ends. So if yeah. you've got a January 1st fiscal start, then long about August is when the finance people are going to start sending out the templates and looking for the initial guidance on what people are looking for for the next year. So you need to work your way into that. And I would say, go to your supervisor and just say, you know, we need to make sure employee communications is measurably supporting our organization's priorities. And no one's going to argue with that. I mean, if they do, <laughs> I, I would say get out of Dodge because you don't want to work for that company because that's just a company that doesn't want a workforce. They want a slave force. And part of the skill set of a fearless communicator is knowing when to stick to your guns and when to realize that some organizations are, are simply not going to share your values. Agreed, yeah. And invariably, it means that you're going to have to develop a detailed plan with specific employee communications, goals, and activities, the expected outcomes, the risks, what you're going to do to mitigate the risks, and how you're going to validate or measure those outcomes. And every single thing on there has to ladder to a corporate goal, even if it's a little bit of a stretch. And that's kind of your insurance policy, right? Like if you can say, well, if I do this, then we help achieve that goal. You blunt a lot of the arguments that are likely to come your way about corporate communications being somehow fluffy. And, and in fact, one of my favorite goals, if I can't think of anything else, is the dismal world of compliance never underestimate the value mm -hmm. of compliance in getting budgets. So one company I know was forever in trouble with authorities for badly communicating its health and safety policies, right? There's a lot of regulations around how you do that. And they were also not communicating in French, uh, which is the law if you work in Quebec, and they did. And once I found out they were missing the ball on this, I actually went to the legal people and the occupational health and safety people, and I just said, I can help you comply. And their little lights lit up. I didn't even have to give them a mug or a cookie or anything. They immediately, <laughs> you made friends. 
I did. I made friends in legal. More on that later. And then what I ended up getting was a very generous translation budget because once the organization realized that communications is part of compliance, they immediately gave me the money I needed for translation, which was most of what I'd been asking for. I think another place you can scrape out some budget, in my experience, is in projects. Mm-hmm. Right? So if your organization is going through a change or implementing a new technology, chances are there's a whole project team. And that project team has a project budget. And if you can get in there fast enough, you can make sure that the project manager sets aside a chunk of budget for communications. That's critical. So there's something about the urgency or the time-defined nature of projects that cracks a door open for you to be able to try to get a budget. What you're saying across all these, and I agree wholeheartedly, the more discipline you can bring to the table, the more serious you will be taken, the more value you will bring to the organization, and the more you will be seen to bring value, and the more budget you will secure as a result. I think that's a good thing for communicators at all levels of an organization. Of course, we have to be real as well. If your organization has gone some time with little or no budget, you're not going to solve all the organization's issues overnight. And the truth will likely be that you may not be seen as credible enough to secure anything but a token budget. So build into your budget planning process involvement of internal and external sources who might bring some additional validation and push the credibility of that budget. And of course, the plan that you're proposing, essentially get another set of eyes on it, someone who's perceived as being credible, and that's going to help you get a budget through faster. If you can't do that, I would say there are probably a not very complicated Google search. You could probably get some benchmarking data from IABC or some other organization. And I have found sometimes if you can pop something in front of leadership that says, well, companies in our snack bracket are spending this much on communications and I'm only asking for like this much. Sometimes you can actually make it sound like it's a bargain. Let's look at that other smelly pile though. Uh, In other words, what do you do when you just don't have a budget or it's teeny tiny? Do we, you know, put our energies behind our leaders' pet projects because those are probably unassailable? Do we just forget and play communications or, or try to scrape it into the lap of some unsuspecting newbie in marketing or HR? Or do we wait until something breaks and then go do the I told you so dance and get some project <laughs> money to clean up the mess that someone just made? I think we've all been there and wanted to do that. But of course, that doesn't help anyway. So, you know, that is the million dollar question that our, that our clients, regardless of the budgets, turn to us to help answer. Essentially, you know, they want to know where they will get the biggest bang for the buck. And, and that's a valid point, but it often neglects that reality that employee communications without budgets must contend with. And that reality includes an organization culture that is neutral on the importance of employee communications, a lack of in-house communication skills, and little thought given to the business risks of not having effective employee communications. Yeah, and the risk thing is huge, right? And we certainly, yeah. we've helped lots of clients get past these issues that handcuff fearless communicators. Mm-hmm. We try to focus on what is the difference between you know, the employee communications that are important and those that are, are truly urgent. And particularly, if you can tie it back to risk, you tend to win the hearts and minds as well of the finance team. So you, you may find people going to bat for you if you can connect 
reducing risk with employee communications. And in fact, we have a, a little tool that we use with our clients to help them, give them a starting point for connecting corporate priorities with budgets. And we'll be pleased to, to share that out in the show notes if, it's, uh, if anybody wants it. That is a good starting point. Yeah. And for this discussion, it's also an appropriate point to, let's say, quickly summarize some of our, some of our discussion points so far. One is determine why your organization has no or little or insufficient budget for employee communications. And the reason's always organization specific and hinges on the assumptions about employee communications and its role or effectiveness in helping your organization meet its business goals. I mean, that's one key issue. The second point, get acquainted with that budgeting process. As Elizabeth says, you know, make a friend with someone in finance or maybe someone legal, maybe, maybe both. The people, the timetable, the criteria, the, and the landlines, right? Get into that process. And chances are you're going to need some support from an, an internal sponsor. And you could use an external guide too, someone who's been there. And finally, create a budget as part of a communications plan. It's never divorced from a plan. And when you get some money, measure the crap out of the results if you can to demonstrate you've actually delivered on the budget. Excellent. I would also add that if you haven't before developed the business case for employee communications, reach out to someone like us. That's one of the things that we do is we help communicators tie the plan that they want to put together to the actual business and making the business case. So we can help you build one that's compelling and of course measurable so that you don't get budget once you get budget forever. Elizabeth, thank you for that shameless shill for uh, <laughs> our consulting for, you know, business case for employee communication. I would be remiss if I didn't shamelessly yeah, share our services. You know what? I see that shameless shill and I'll do one as well. I'll add, we have a new product offering called Back on Track, which helps our listeners and their teams construct, roll out, and manage all post-COVID-19 employee communications. And that's a scary thing for people to wrap their head around. So I'm very excited that we've pulled together this product. That being said, Elizabeth, what are you listening to, watching, or reading these days? Of course, we're recording this in June of 2020. So I would say that 90% of what's on my reading list is stuff about how we're communicating as we start to roll out of the beginning of the COVID crisis. And so one of the things I actually was listening to is if anybody hasn't heard of Farnham Street, it's a fantastic blog. It's written out of uh, Ottawa, Canada, and it's meaty and it's really good. And they have a podcast, which is called The Knowledge Project, hosted by Shane mm. Parrish. And again, this, this is not a, you know, a quick light thing, but I was listening to its episode 84, and it was an episode about how you create routine from chaos. Yeah, I was originally actually not going to listen to it because it sounded fluffy and dumb. And boy, am I glad I listened because I realized that even though I've been, as you have, you were super busy and we've been working from home and kind of chugging through this thing, I realized how chaotic the workplace has really been for the last few months. And, and in general, actually, it's pretty chaotic. And the incredible value of having routine in terms of both being personally productive, but I was also reflecting that we need routines as organizations to be collectively productive and collectively connected. And, and anyway, this podcast gave me a ton to think about. We'll put a link in the show notes. And I highly recommend Farnham Street, the Knowledge Project podcast, and in particular, this episode about creating routine from chaos. What, so I'm going to listen to that right after this. What are you listening to? Well, you know what? I'm going to cheat a little. There are actually two things. So I'm, I'm reading or rereading our newly published book, The Fearless Communicator's Guide to COVID-19. 
how to communicate with employees to get through scary, uncertain, and uncomfortable times. And we pulled together that book because we wanted to provide some very practical, actionable tools and advice that people could use right away. It has a self-assessment to help our listeners position themselves in terms of crisis communications and a 30-day plan. And also revisiting, as I tend to revisit, remember Edward de Bono? He was famous oh, for six yeah. thinking hats. Yes, right? the hat and guy, yeah. The hat guy and lateral thinking. That was his mm. other big thing. And he has this great book called Surpetition. So it sounds like competition, but Surpetition. It's creating value when everyone else is merely competing. Always a good read. Always a few nuggets you take away from that and go, wow, it really helps me reframe uh, how I'm thinking about something, how to have a discussion with someone, how to turn the light on for someone who's locked in a particular way of thinking. So, uh, Surpetition by Edward mm. Bono. And of course, ours, The Fearless Communicator's Guide to COVID-19, available on Amazon. Uh, well, thank you. Talking of shameless chills, you actually yes. put me to shame on that. And I would think that Edward de Bono book, I, I actually haven't read that and I might borrow it from you because it occurs to me that one of the things that communicators often don't do is help the people around them understand the value of their work. And so busy are they competing for precious funds and mind share and executive support. So I think if you kind of took a marketing approach to validating the employee communications, it might help you again, uh, outshout the people who are getting all the budget. So I think you found the topic for another podcast. There we go, creating value. And I think that's a great place to end. So that's it for us, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. If you liked this podcast, do us a favor and leave a rating or better still subscribe. Check out the show notes and resources at academyofbusinesscommunications.com. Until next time, see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.